Traveling for college hoops this year? Pro tip, stay at Graduate Hotels. They're obsessed with college basketball, just like us. Each Graduate Hotel is like a shrine to the local team with lots of cool details for alumni, nods to school colors, mascots. Why would you stay anywhere else? They have 30-plus hotels in the best college towns, and get this, you can save up to 30% off with code Doug. That's my name, Doug. Good at any Graduate Hotel location, anytime up to 30% off. So, here's what you do. Book your stays at graduatehotels.com. That's graduatehotels.com. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like a full line of Yokohama tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. All from TireRack.com. TireRack.com. It's the way the tire buying should be. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da, 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the City of Angels. Getting ready for what is sure to be an incredible sports weekend, aren't they all? Huh? And, and like, this is kind of one of my favorite weeks of the year. It really is. Um, and you're like, you say that all the time. No, 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 no. Hold on now. Uh, college football, these games really matter. Uh, Fox, of course, is big game this weekend is Wisconsin fin- finally playing somebody. Michigan uh, heads into Camp Randall Stadium. You'll see that on Big Fox. Uh, we will cover it. Stuart Mandel, College Football Insider, join us later on in the show. Plus, you got my picks, five in college, five in pro. Been killing it in college especially. Hard in the pros. Um, and then, of course, NFL games really starting to matter. We're starting to figure out what the Cowboys are as they don't have Zeke Elliott. We saw that two teams with similar records are completely dissimilar last night in Pittsburgh. Um, so NFL games starting to matter even more. Um, NBA, we had a, a, a primetime matchup on Thursday night. Chris Broussard will join us in 15 minutes, get his thoughts. I'll share my thoughts. We'll go back and forth. Plus, we'll talk about Lonzo Ball, the disappointing start to the uh, rookie, for the rookie L.A. Lakers second overall pick. Got that to get to. And, uh, and then, of course, we got games Thursday, Thanksgiving games. You'll see the Cowboys take on my Bolts, the Chargers. You know, you got four games on Thursday. You have college hoops all spread out throughout the dial. So, uh, and I, I told you Xavier was a lot better than Wisconsin last night, and that, that played out as much. We, so, maybe I'll give you some college picks. we got a ton to get to. But uh, let's dive into the NFL, because there's kind of two, um, they're not ships passing in the night, because they, they are correlating stories. Let's start with the Jameis Winston, then we'll get to the story about Jerry Jones and the owners, and the fact that Jerry Jones apparently... Um, Roger Goodell thinks he saved Jerry Jones and Jerry Jones thinks he made Roger Goodell. And therein lies the rub as to uh, where I think the impetus of this conflict between the two has arisen. But the, the, the real point in the Jameis Winston story 
is kind of one of the big issues in the Jerry Jones story. If you just, if you missed the Jameis Winston story and you woke up, you're like, why are they talking about Jameis Winston? He's not playing this weekend. Uh, he hasn't had a particularly good year. What is it about Jameis Winston? Uh, Jameis Winston, of course, was accused of, uh, of sexual assault in college. Uh, he has now been accused of uh, sexual assault of a different variety. And like, look, if he, even if he did what he was, what he's alleged to have done to this Uber driver. Okay. Now remember, if he did what he's alleged to have done with this Uber driver, that does not, I think in anybody's mind, measure up to what he was alleged to have done, but it was never charged with, nor was he found uh, guilty of in Title IX discussions or whatever it was at, at Florida State. But that was far more graphic, far more troubling um, than these allegations. Nonetheless, you're like, dude, how unlucky do you have to be uh, to for somebody to make what he deemed false accusations at Florida State and what they're now deeming to be false at like twice? But they're they're very different in all fairness. But that none of that matters because I don't know if the, how much the truth comes out. I mean, like, look, part of what I think bothered, part of what makes the case for Jameis Winston against his first accuser. And I don't know how many of you guys paid attention to it because what happens is we always assume guilt instead of the other way around. Jameis was never charged with a crime. Then they went title nine was three times. He was investigated. Never did, did he, was he, did, was he found guilty of violating her title nine rights at, uh, at Florida state. So the Jameis actually sued his former accuser and the reason he sued her and obviously nothing's coming out of it, but the reason he sued was because her accusations did irreparable harm to his image. And you know what? I think he's got a point because I don't know if he sat in the passenger seat and groped the Uber driver as she alleges took place in 2016 in Scottsdale. I don't know. I wasn't there. She did report it immediately. His Uber account was shut down. He, he and his agent, his attorney is like, there are a bunch of people. There's other, there's another person at least in that car. She says, she said there was only one person in the car. He said he wasn't even sitting in the passenger seat. Um, no one disputes that somebody on his account was riding in that car, but but the reason that this story becomes a lot more believable is because of the Florida state accusations. And I'm not talking about what he said on campus at Florida state when he repeated uh, a popular meme. I'm saying because of, because of those allegations, you, you think it's, it's plausible. And, and this is one of those you're innocent until proven guilty. And then even when you're, considered innocent or never even charged you're still considered guilty does that make sense so i'm not sitting here i mean like look did i do i like the image that or whatever character maybe Jameis winston portrayed himself as during hard knocks this year i do and i did but i'm just a neutral bystander i don't know what happened at florida state i just know that how many times can you be investigated and somebody not find you wrong of of anything have found any wrongdoing um, to which I think I, I can't, I can't hold that against you. You know, like even in the court of law, when you've committed past crimes, oftentimes they can't use that. That is not admissible during a new trial. There was never any trial. There was never any charges. So in, but it's hard in your mind for it to be inadmissible. But I do think you have to look at this as it's inadmissible. Does that, does that make that make sense? My, my, I think I'm making sense. But that's even not the point that, that I wanted to get into. I understand the argument that the reason Title IX um, charges should be brought on college campuses is because, for example, example what happened at Baylor or uh, what happened with Jameis Winston. When you have a powerful entity like the college football program, which is responsible for 
millions, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars flowing into university and flowing into university towns, that sometimes the belief, sometimes the belief is that local police will uh, sacrifice the kind of the, the sanctity and credibility of what they do because they don't want to derail the freight train that is college football. Like that's the belief, right? Well, you know, he plays a great college football player, so we'll look the other way. And it has played out as such in the, there have been times in the past when it has played out like that. But the Roger Goodell versus Jerry Jones thing reminds me of college football, college athletics, and the title nine cases thing. Universities, their charter has nothing to do nothing to do with investigating crimes committed on or off campus. That is not, is not, should not, and cannot be under their purview. There are professionals that do that. It is the local police or the state police or the federal police, depending on the jurisdiction of and the, the level of crime that is alleged to have been committed. And if, if, those bodies don't do their job. They are held accountable by the court system and by the local and state and federal government. But we've done this. Once we've allowed Title IX courts to decide guilt or innocence, uh, once, we've, once we've set that precedent, now all of a sudden um, schools are being forced to have basically their own sub-court system separate completely from the local court system. That's a mistake. Just like what's happened with Roger Goodell, this is a, it, this is a mistake. They should not be investigating domestic violence. It's no different. We all went crazy because Ray Rice only got two games. Why do we go crazy about Ray Rice only getting two games for punching Janae Rice and knocking her out? We should have gone crazy that the fact was they had video of him in the state of New Jersey and they gave him a pretrial diversionary hearing. He got off with uh, community service. And if you want to say, well, you know, NFL should be held to a higher standard, like that, that sounds great. And maybe if they're found guilty of a crime, then and only then, should you be able to punish based upon the findings of a court? But man, this is a, I mean, that's really what Jerry Jones should be going after. The story out of wall street journal is this, uh, Jerry Jones, apparently when he was building the death star, also known as Jerry's world or AT&T stadium, uh, they went so far over budget. He was running out of money and Roger Goodell was the deputy commissioner. He was in the front office. He was in all the meetings, but he was kind of that, that the wallflower. He's just kind of silently working the room. And when Jones left the room after asking for money from the league to finish up the project, he got it done. And in turn, he helped get it done that Roger Goodell was the commissioner. They worked hand in hand as kind of silent partners in the other's lives. Goodell helped Jerry's Death Star get built or completed, and Jerry helped Roger Goodell take the seat of Paul Tagliabue. And now, when, when Roger Goodell was forced because of public opinion, public sentiment, and precedent to, to investigate the alleged domestic abuse by Ezekiel Elliott and then punish because of, of a sense in some of the findings, Jerry Jones... Is like, dude, I made you. It reminds me, and like, look, I can tell, I think I can tell a Bill, Co Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby joke without saying it's okay to be Bill Cosby, considering what he's alleged. Is that Ramos? Is it okay to credit Bill Cosby with, with a line? Is that all right? Or is it, are we so negative towards Bill Cosby because of what we learned? I, that's a hard one. But Bill Cosby had a, a famous stand up, um, stand up. It was a, I think a cassette tape and it was uh, also a stand-up special. It's called Bill Cosby himself. And Bill Cosby talked about uh, what, what he would tell his kids. I brought you in this world. I take you out. I think, I think actually he said, I got that from my father. I brought you in this world. I take you out. And that's kind of the feeling that Jerry Jones has for Roger Goodell. I made you. And if I made you, 
I can end you. We've talked, we talked for months since I took over the show, the idea of having a rabbi in the room, somebody who will bless your presence, somebody who believes in you. There is one issue with that. Because once you get that job, if you try and do that job by letter of the law and you don't play favorites, even to the people that made you, they will try and end you. But none of this would, I don't think we would ever get to this place where Jerry Jones was going to the mattresses. If the NFL hadn't gotten into this, let's decide our, let's decide, uh, guilt or innocence of something which should be investigated by the paid authorities to investigate guilt or innocence. Just like college sports program, college universities shouldn't be in, in uh, shouldn't be investigating title nine violations. They just shouldn't. It's a, that's a bad idea. That is not the charter of the school. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern noon Pacific on Fox sports radio and the iHeartRadio app. Let's react to last night's, I would say it's, a, it's an upset, right? The Boston Celtics down four with four and a half to go, win by four against the Golden State Warriors. They now have a 14-game winning streak and the best record in the NBA. Chris Broussard joins us. Chris, uh, what's your reaction to that game? Well, I think that Boston, uh, there are several things. One, Brad Stevens is phenomenal. He's right up there now as, one, as arguably the top coach in the league. Certainly I go with Greg Popovich because of his history. But Stevens is working wonders with this team uh, without his second-best player in Gordon Hayward, a youngster in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown as well. Uh, So that's number one. Number two, they play so hard defensively. I mean, Jalen Brown was getting after it. He was guarding Kevin Durant. (laughs) He's given up how many inches to Kevin Durant was doing a good job on him. And, and it looked to me like Golden State – look, Golden State's still the better team. They're still the heavy favorite to win it all. But when the going got tough, I felt like Golden State was like, do we really want to exert the energy that it's going to take to win this game? Or, you know, we're just going to coast along and see if we can pull it out, you know, at, at three-quarter speed. And I think that was the difference. They kind of coasted. You saw they took three – three-pointers at the end uh, of the game uh, instead of maybe driving to the basket and either getting fouled or, or making a layup or a shot in the paint. Uh, and Boston just wanted it more. But you got to give them a lot of credit. And I'll say this, because Golden State went through this, where nobody believed in them in Steve Kerr's first year. And to be honest, even after they won that championship the first year, they still had a lot of doubters. Uh, Doc Rivers said they lucky they didn't play us in the playoffs. Memphis was hurt in the playoffs. A lot of people were talking that summer that they were one of the worst teams ever to win the championship. And it was because Steph Curry, nobody believed he was the number one guy on a championship team. Nobody believed Clay Thompson was the number two guy on a championship team. And no, you know, Draymond Green was a second-round pick. And so they made people believe rather than people giving them the benefit of the doubt. Boston is in that process. Nobody really believes. I still think Cleveland's coming out of the East, and most people do as well, but they are making you believe, because you're not going to believe Kyrie Irving is the number one guy on a championship team unless he makes you believe it. Jalen Brown in his second year, Jason Tatum as a rookie. Nobody's going to believe those can be the three best players throwing out Horford of a championship contender. And so right at some point, though, whether it's 20 straight victories, whether it's a 63 or 65 win season, at some point we're going to have to say, you know what? They really are a contender if they keep proving us wrong. It's Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. That was a long dissertation there from Chris Broussard. He had a lot. To, that's okay because I watched the I game. And then, and then I, I watched the game with my son and I was showing him some of the things going on. It's great. And then I rewatched the game kind of for my own, uh, for my own kind of basketball. I, very rarely do I get a chance to kind of take a breath and really watch one NBA game. Um, I do think they play hard. I thought they got a friendly home whistle. Uh, I don't yeah. even think Kyrie played all that well. He missed some shots he normally makes, and some drives he normally makes, and they still won the game. I'm a little bit concerned about Golden State threefold. I don't think their bench is great. 
Um, and some of those key pieces, like an Andre Godala that they overpaid to keep, like at some point, Andre Godala is going to age. And it was hard to tell if last night was a sign because the game was so physical. He felt like he got fouled a couple of times down the stretch and he just kind of stopped playing. But I, I don't, I don't know if, if he's gotten past that stage of, okay, he's no longer nearly as productive, even in limited minutes. Um, and I, I kind of feel like they're a little selfish right now. Like Clay's still third wheel shooting a little bit quicker, even than he normally does. Cause he doesn't get it as much. The ball is still is, has always stopped more with Kevin Durant. He's clearly their best player. And I thought Steph Curry was not just off his game, taken out of his game, but he, he didn't look particularly joyful. You know, they always talk about playing joyful basketball. I know that last night was about the Celtics, but I had a couple of negative takeaways from the Golden State Warriors, even though they've played in the last three finals and won two of them. Yeah, and I think that's why when we look at NBA history, uh, has there been a team? I don't believe there's been a team to get to four straight finals, other than those Celtics teams of Bill Russell back in the day. But well, the, 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 the Heat did, right? The Heat did under LeBron. Yeah, the Heat got to four straight, didn't win four straight. Yeah, got to four straight. But the, the, my point is, it's very difficult to maintain the sense of urgency, even to your point, somewhat the sense of joy in the regular season when you know and everybody is critiquing you based on May and June. It is difficult. And I mean, Sean Livingston was telling me this the year after they won the championship that we, our greatest enemy is complacency. And we have to fight that off. So I, I really think, I think every point you made was valid. I'm not concerned as much about their bench. You know, I think, I mean, a lot of people thought in the offseason their bench got better. I think Andre Iguodala had some great moments yesterday, but as you said, late in the game, he kind of got frustrated. But I, I just think that they're going through complacency. I don't know if I should say boredom. But it, 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 not only is it kind of easy for them on many nights, but – it's just not what's the it's not that big of an accomplishment to win this regular season game. And so I think that that's what they're battling through more so than, you know, that they really got some some chinks in their armor, so to speak. That's yeah, the voice of Chris Broussard joining us. What's the league saying about uh, about Lonzo Ball and his struggles? I have not. I know there have been some commentators who said they think he's going to be a bust, and maybe there are some talent evaluators. Of the people I've spoken to, no one has said he's going to be a bust. Now, I have been told he's going to be good, not great. I've been told he's going to be, you know, a, a, a very a good starter. Um, he's not like if you got a big three, he's not one of those big three guys. Um, I've been told that slow down on the Jason Kidd comparisons because Kidd was so much more aggressive and obviously defensively was just light years ahead of where Lonzo's at right now. Um, and so what Lonzo, the thing that concerns a lot of people more than anything, even more than the jump shot, is the passivity. Mm. Uh, and then there are those, and you and I, I think have talked about this before, I have praised the fact that he pushes the ball up with the pass. You know, if there's somebody ahead of him, he's not going to dribble it up, which takes longer. He's going to push it up to the guy ahead of him on the pass. But some scouts, and I agree, have said he does that almost for no reason. To a fault. His default is the hot potato of basketball. He gets yes, rid of it way too quick. Yes. If it's Brooke Lopez at half court, He's going to pass it ahead to him just because he's ahead of him. And you have to pass it ahead to a guy that can make a play or score. Otherwise, dribble it up. You're the point guard. You're the best decision maker. You're the leader. And that's something he's not doing. And to be honest, on most nights, he is just a ball mover. That's it. And so he's got to learn. There's a lot he has to learn, but I think he's capable of learning it. And this could be good for him. Look, I think – what he's suffering for more, more than anything is the, in, over, the, the over-scrutiny, if you will, because of his dad. Darren Fox is coming off the bench for arguably the worst team in basketball. He's averaging four assists a game. He's shooting 19% from three. Nobody's no, even it. thinking about Darren Fox. Right. Josh Jackson, I watched him shoot an air ball last night on a, like a 17, 18 footer. And he was he's supposed to be a, he was, 
He was supposed to be a culture changer. They'll play tonight exactly. in Staples. He hadn't changed any culture. That team stinks. They already fired their coach, and they're a cultural disaster. Yeah, yep, exactly. And nobody's saying anything about it. So I, I think if, if we didn't know who LeVar Ball was, I don't think people would be criticizing and calling lines or a bust like they are right now. Uh, okay, what, what about – I said yesterday that I think the NBA – in the offseason, they need to find a way to tinker with the rules so that you make it even easier for these star big men, Perzingis, Carl Anthony Towns, and Joel Embiid. And, and while people are like, whoa, 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 you tinker with the rules, like, look, that's what they've done to allow Steph Curry to be successful, to yep. allow James Harden to be successful. You can't touch those guys in the perimeter. Now, look, these guys are, and even DeMarcus Cousins to a lesser extent, these guys all shoot threes and they all handle the basketball, but they can all also score some in the low post. I think that, like, look, the future of the NBA is screaming. There's other talented players, but we got three, four, five super talented uh, versatile big guys that are going to be superstars over the next decade. I think the NBA needs to find a way to uh, to make them even more prominent based upon how they call the game. I'm just one, and that's uh, this obviously was reacting. What do you to, think? Oh, go ahead. I was going to ask you. What do you have any ideas that stuff you, you might want to see? You got to cut down on the physicality. I think of uh, more so in, in the low post. In the low post, you got to okay, okay, you got to okay. cut down on the physicality. And, um, you know, I, I think they're doing a better job of speeding up the game, a la the, the, the FIBA-type rules in terms of the, the shot clock reset. I don't know. I just like, look, I would be open to whatever suggestions you can, you, you can find in order to make it easier for them to continue to get the ball. Because, you know, like, look, uh, uh, Anthony Davis, I think, kind of got caught in the middle there um, in, in trying to find offense for him. And and now you have you have I mean the, those three young guys can be superstars and I think any way you can create an atmosphere to which they can be more successful will only help grow your game because um, because they're bigger than life star like physically bigger than yeah. life and their personalities are big as well I think they can be superstars but the NBA needs to help. Well, I think especially in the case of Porzingis and Giannis. They are becoming, they are excelling in the same things, essentially, that the smaller players are excelling in. You know, like Giannis, I mean, can't shoot, but because he's a ball handler, because he can slash, you know, he's not killing people in the post. Now, Porzingis goes in the post a little more, and Embiid, of course, is really good down there in the post when he wants to be down there. Um, I, the best suggestion that I've heard, and this came from our colleague Colin Cowherd, is that you run the three-point line, get rid of the corner three, and run the three-point line into the sideline, like maybe at the, you know, around the hash. So that would cut down on the number of three-pointers taken, and I think it would increase post-play again and mid-range game because I think the game is best when there's a combination of all those things, when there's a combination of three-point shooting, mid-range game, and post-play. Not when it's kind of heavy toward one. Like when back in the day when it was just mostly throw it into your postman. Double you know, team count. Yeah. yeah, that you had that. Now you got the overemphasis on the three point shot and not much post play. I think if you got rid of the corner three, teams couldn't just plant a bunch of guys out on the three point line, and that would necessitate more mid range and post game. So I think that would. Do it. That's really the best suggestion I've heard. I think the league is years away from going to that measure. But um, I don't want the game to become all three-pointers or shots in the paint. Because mid-range game is where you get a lot of the best creativity and the best moves and things like that. And so I think that would be my concern. But I think those three guys you mentioned, I think they're going to be superstars if you don't touch the game. Because look at what they're doing already. Great stuff, Chris. You can hear Chris Broussard weekends here on Fox Sports Radio. See him on all of our TV shows as well. CB, can't tell you how much I appreciate you popping on with us here on a Friday. All right, Doug. Anytime, man. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Are you expanding to markets that don't want your product? This idea of they won't lengthen the season. They haven't given it to 18 games, but... 
putting more games on TV. Now it's on Thursday. Did you watch last night? Are you going to continue to watch Thursday? And now Saturdays will come up and Sundays and Mondays. You're like, oh, that's a lot of football. Plus I watch Saturday college football and occasionally Friday night college football. It's a lot. NASCAR is dead. What happens to the NFL when Tom Brady retires? What if Aaron Rodgers says, you know, I just, he gets hurt again. Like, mm, good. And you lose Peyton, you lose Brady, you lose Drew Brees in the next couple years. You're going to use, lose Ben Roethlisberger. So I, I think it's, do I think the NFL will survive? I do. And I do think they're coming up with new quarterbacks. And But man, Andrew Luck's hurt. Jameis Winston now all of a sudden being linked to this sexual misconduct from an Uber driver, which he may or may not have actually been the only one in the car. I mean, Marcus Mariota, which we thought was as a sure deal. You're like, he's okay. Derek Carr, oh, the second coming. Has he been the second coming this year? Not really. Kind of fascinating to see. I don't think the NFL will follow the pitfalls of NASCAR, nor will there be the limitations of NASCAR. But it is going. To, but remember, uh, you have the same problem with guys worrying about instead of worrying about dying, they're worrying about being maimed, worry about their knees, their back, their hips, but also worry about their brains. Like there's some NASCAR has died, dead, not to be resuscitated, and the NFL should be very aware. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. E from Salam, Big E, kind enough to join us in studio here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Of course, he is a two-time Pro Bowl. Uh, he's a two-time Pro Bowler back in the time with the Texans in 13 years in the National Football League. Uh, let, let's Before we get to last night, I, I wanted to ask you about one of the stories of the week, E, and that's the Buffalo Bills Sunday, they said Tyrod Taylor's our quarterback. Monday, they said Tyrod Taylor's our quarterback. Tuesday, they said Tyrod Taylor's our quarterback. Wednesday, they said Nathan Peterman is our starting quarterback. What would your reaction be in that locker room as a vet? Um, I would, I would be displeased. Uh, number one, the things that come out of locker rooms, most guys in the locker room know. They know what's going to happen before we do you know, before, you know, media, before any of us do. So if this was something, I remember Monday, Tuesday, those are relatively day off. You know, you come in on Monday and you watch the film of Sunday and Tuesday's your day off. So, you know, nothing really happens until Wednesday when people can report that, oh, you know, Tyrod Taylor wasn't starting at, at practice or, or anything like that. You know, most of the times coaches will actually grab, you know, the team and be like, hey, we're going to, you know, explain the situation. This is what we're going to do. Um, you know, we got to change this up or, or whatever it is. But as a player, you know, if I like Tyrod Taylor. So, you know, it, it, it's just a, a, a situation where the coaches are trying to do something to spark something to try to get some type of, you know, momentum gathered back uh, because they've fallen off the last couple of weeks, man, big time. No question they, they've fallen off. Um Last night was a, a game of, of two teams with similar records, and yet I don't know anybody who thought they were of similar levels, and the final score would tell you as such. So what do you make? Let's start with the Steelers. What do we make of how uneven some of their performances are? Like, how do you go out Sunday and almost lose to the Colts? Okay, get down 17-3 to Colts. How do you get? How do you allow – Cleveland was the start of the year, but so many of the other teams have gotten a game – from the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, the Bears beat them. How do you explain that? And then last night when they decide they want to play in primetime, they're like, all right, we're a lot better. How do you explain that? Uh, It's hard to explain, but just given what they've gone through and some of the things that they've said uh, throughout this year, Ben Roethlisberger (laughs) honestly and openly admitting maybe he doesn't have it anymore, them not running the ball at the beginning of the season, the turmoil between, you know, Ben and Antonio Brown and, and Mike Tomlinson. It, 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 you know, all of this resonates as a, as a team that's trying to recapture something that they're losing. Pittsburgh, for the, since I was in the league, has always been one of those teams you had to watch out for, one of those dominant teams. You got a quarterback, an all-pro quarterback, Hall of Fame quarterback, who – not quite sure if he has what it takes 
you know, to to take the team to the Super Bowl, then you, you know, you you change up the offensive philosophy. You start running the ball, and then you begin to regain some of that success that you had. But the the, the problem is. They're unsure. They're not locked in. They're not solidified. Some weekends the defense plays great. Last night, I mean, it was they were tremendous. Uh, although Tennessee did help them out uh, greatly, but when you see teams like this, they're just trying to get it right. But you got to remember, Pittsburgh always picks it up in, in in November, December. They've always been a team that can hone in when weather starts getting bad. You know, no matter what's happened at the beginning of the year, they've always been a team you know, start winning in the division and, and, and going towards the playoffs and hitting their stride. So they're dangerous. I mean, they're, they're a dangerous team, and that's, you know, that's why we play the games every Sunday because you never know, man. You, you never know. You, you absolutely never know no, who's no, going to no, show no, up no, and no, how no. they're going to show up. Ephraim, you have to know. Yeah, that's not acceptable. You have to know everything that's going on. You have to, you have to be no more than everybody else. <laughs> Ephraim Salam joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. All right, let's get to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, they're not going to have Zeke. He, uh, he took the suspension, and he's like, look, it's just legal stuff. Um, and then, you know, they're probably not going to have Tyron Smith, and they're taking on an Eagles team that has a really good front seven. This after getting dominated by the Atlanta Falcons front seven. What's the likelihood that Dallas can win this game without Tyron Smith and without Ezekiel Elliott? Oh, there's no shot. There's no shot. And the problem with Dallas, and we saw it last week without Zeke, is they didn't get any other running back ready to go. Right? You have this 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 suspension looming the entire season, all off season. You don't give anybody any carries to get them acclimated to to, to game shape and and ready to to carry that load. So they put themselves in a position where, okay, Zeke's gone. we got to throw somebody out there. We throw Morris out there, and we'll see what's going to happen. And it's not working well. Now you lose your, your, left, your, uh, your starting Pro Bowl left tackle. It's just too many facets. The Dallas Cowboys aren't good unless they can run the ball. We've, we've seen that. I don't care who's this quarterback, Tony Romo, Dak Prescott, if they can't control the clock and control the down distance by running the ball, they're not good. And to expect them to go and play up against a hot Eagles team and come away with the victory with that type of uncertainty on the offensive line and in the backfield, I don't see it happening. All right, so give me the honest assessment. How much of that do we place blame do we place on Dak not being good enough? How much of it, honestly, is on the wide receivers not being able to get open if you don't have that extra guy in the box? I, I think it's a combination of both, but I, I think – what Dallas Cowboy did, and I've been on teams that's done this before, you have so much success in the previous year, right? So they led the league in rushing. Ezekiel Elliott was tremendous. So going into the next year, you just expect that to happen. And when you lose a running back, we lost Jamal Anderson, uh, I think, the third game uh, in 1999 after he had 1,846 yards. He was our only running back. He actually had more carries than anybody in league history in a year that year. And once he left, we had no other backup. So, so it didn't even matter what the receivers or the quarterback did. We were so focused on running the ball, and our team was built around running the ball, that it didn't matter. So now you're in a situation where you're trying to scramble. You don't have that same production out of you know, your running back core. So now the down and distance is longer. Now first is not first and five, it's first and eight. You know, you maybe get a sack or lose yards. Now it's third and long. So your whole playbook changes and your whole trajectory of your offense changes because you don't have that consistency in gaining those yards on first and second down. Ephraim Salam, our guest on the Doug Gottlieb Show. He's a 13-year NFL vet. You can hear him uh, here on Fox Sports Radio on the weekends. All right, so E, um, what about Philadelphia? Like, we started to talk about Pittsburgh, and I could get I could gleam from your voice you believe Pittsburgh is an honest challenger to the New England Patriots. Reasonable. What about Philadelphia? Is this really a Super Bowl-caliber team? Yes. Yes, it is. When you look at this kid, Carson Wentz, man, I mean, he was tremendous last year. Started off with the bang. You know, they had a lot of injuries, so he faltered a little bit. But the progression he's made from an already superb rookie year to a second year, it's been tremendous. And what's happened is the team has galvanized around him. They believe in him. 
right? And once we trust, they believe in him. And you can tell when a team, you look at the Rams, it's the same way with, with Jared Goff. You can tell when your quarterback position is a, is a leader on the team and the team offensively and defensively, they're all in and they believe. You just have a different type of swagger, as the kids say uh, today, and a different type of belief. So when they take the field, they're doing things. Even if they turn the ball over or have a setback, everything is in the realm of, of possibility in terms of winning because they believe in their floor general or their field general, which is Carson Wentz. David Johnson joined, joined us earlier this week, uh, the injured running back for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, he was promoting a ping-pong tournament. All right, this is really important. Ephraim Salam joining us. You can hear him 5 o'clock Eastern time with Mike Hill uh, on Fox Sports Radio every Sunday afternoon. E, uh, I give you foosball. I give you mm-hmm. uh, pool, billiards, pool, whatever. Uh, I give you ping-pong and darts. One through four, which are you most and which are you, are you least skilled at? I would say least skilled at foosball. So foosball would be five. Four. Um, four. I only gave four, so four. Ping yeah. pong. Ping pong would be four. It'd be three, yeah. Oh, well, three. three. I only gave you four, uh, so go ahead. I'm the best at darts and then and pool. Pool would be second. That's reasonable. I'm a, reasonable. I'm a maniac in darts. I'm... I'm Look, I'm telling now, you. Now, but part man. of it is you have long arms, so I feel, I feel like. Oh, you can... here we go. Here we go. No, hey, I'm man, serious. Look, I'm, look, these are my gifts. I was blessed. You're six gifts. foot. Th- you're six foot off. thirteen with long arms. You you wouldn't be a Pro Bowl left tackle unless you had incredibly <laughs> long arms, right? You got to have incredible long arms and good hands. And so I I picture like everybody draws a line. You're like, oh, that's cool. And then you're because of the, your size and length, you're reaching halfway to the dartboard. You might as well just be placing it on the dartboard. Hey man, we all have our gifts, man. I can't take. I can't give my gifts back. You are gifted. You are gifted. Let me let me ask you this. Can I ask yeah. you something? I know Go. we always talk about football and all that. Do you see yeah. that Celtics uh, uh, Golden State game last night? I did. I watched. I watched the entire game. I watched it actually twice. I watched it one time with my son, then I watched it back on DVR. What did you think about that? That was amazing, right? It was a great game. I look. I thought the Celtics uh, were a little bit more physical, a little bit more aggressive. I thought they got some home calls. Like Kyrie got some star calls, which um, which was kind of surprising that Golden State didn't get some of those star calls. I did think Golden State's a little selfish, uh, like the, like for a team that preaches you know playing, having a great time, and having joy when they're playing. Like it didn't feel like Steph was having fun with Marcus Smart guarding him. And I thought the ball got a little sticky, especially with KD and and Clay Clay Thompson. But it is impressive what Jalen Brown being this good this early in his career, and then apparently his his best friend dying, his best friend growing up died uh, yesterday. Um, uh, He was he was amazing, and yeah, I mean, like their ability to find ways to win games, the culture of winning that they've bred there is amazing. Yeah, watching that game, I'm looking and I'm saying. Golden State doesn't like when you're physical with them. I, no. They don't like that at all. I mean, they like to come off those screens and, and and freely shoot those threes. But once you get up in their face, you fight over the top of the screens, you scrounge and you die for every loose ball. They kind of lose their, their 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 mojo. You know what I mean? I mean, Steph I, last night was non-existent. I mean, he was completely outshadowed uh, by the the guard play, even though. Um, even though Kyrie had an off night until the fourth quarter when he was able to get to the free throw line uh, seven times. I, I mean, that defensive effort from the Celtics, I mean, they're the real deal. No, they, they played with, with – and it, what's, what's also interesting is it's not like those guys have been around for 10 years playing together. You know, they, had 11, they added 11 new guys this year, and even Horford was added last year, so – you know, I mean, that's that's twelve new guys, really, but they're all kind of bought into the idea of of being physical, of being tougher. Um, and I, I like, look, it's gonna be fascinating when they get Gordon when they get Gordon Hayward back. Uh, that's the type of team that could, without, and I don't know what you consider Kyrie if he's a superstar or just a star, whatever. They, I think they'll have enough offense to go along with their defense, and they got the right makeup to, to one, which they're going to be right there for eight, ten years because of that style. And honestly, that's what you picked out about the physicality, E. That's the thing that people forget about, but they don't realize about Butler. Like, everybody thinks right. about Shelvin Mack and Gordon Hayward, but when you watch Butler play, 
they were kind of like Villanova now. They were the most physical team in the country, and yet they look like choir boys. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I'll tell you what, that Gordon Hayward injury was, was horrific, but it has galvanized that team. They were like, they, they heard everybody say, oh, it's over. It's over for them now that Gordon Hayward is gone. And they were like, okay, well, let's show them you know, what type of team this is with or without Gordon. And when he comes back, good Lord. Eat from Salam. You can check him out with, uh, with Mike Hill. 5 o'clock Eastern time every Sunday as they'll recap every NFL game, including the ones that are still ongoing. It's great stuff. And as you can tell, he can talk some hoops in any other sport as well. E, thanks so much for joining Love us. It. Thanks, all man. Right. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. And now, what does the Fox say? Joel Klatt, lead college football analyst for Fox Sports and Fox Sports One, was on the Dan Patrick Show this morning. USC takes on UCLA at the Coliseum on Saturday. Those are two legit top five prospects, maybe even the top two prospects, potentially in the upcoming NFL draft. Though neither Rose, Josh Rosen or Sam Donald are seniors. Take a listen to what Klatt had to say about Rosen. Don't be shocked if Josh Rosen stays at UCLA. You know, he and Jim Moore are very close. And there may be an alliance being built where, oh. you know, they're kind of making it a package deal where if Jim <laughs> stays, Josh will stay as well. And if Jim goes, then Josh will go. That's the, uh, that's the Jimmy, that's the Chitwood, right? You guys are familiar with the Chitwood, right? Chitwood is from Hoosiers, where Jimmy Chitwood was the great player in the small town of Hickory. He was not on the team. Matter of fact, they had to finish a game with four. My team is on the floor. And uh, they had a town hall meeting to vote on the coach's dismissal. Uh, After collecting the votes on the coach's dismissal, Jimmy Chitwood came in from outside and said he has something to say. And he said, I think it's time to start playing ball. Everybody went crazy. He said, then there's only one hitch. Coach stays, I play. Coach goes, I go to which they immediately ordered a recount of the votes. And the coach of course stayed Jimmy Chitwood played and tiny Hickory, which was actually Milan high school won the Indiana state championship running the picket fence. That's what Josh Rosen is trying to do. I think though, that this isn't as much a reaction to Mora as it is Rosen understanding that his stock is not what, uh, what it is, what he perceived it to be. I also find it relatively ironic that this is the same Josh Rosen who came out and said, it's impossible to be a star quarterback and a student athlete at the same time. He's also talked about athletes should, some of them shouldn't be in college and they should be, they should just get paid. And he said all these things that though in his own mind sounded really smart, turned a lot of people off because either he's a hypocrite or he's going along with a game plan that he said uh, he doesn't agree with. Look, Rosen knows what the MO on Josh Rosen is for many scouts. Uh, He's already had an arm problem going back to when he played tennis. He had an arm problem last year. He had a surgical procedure done. And though his arm has never been the strongest, nor did it drop off in terms of weakness, that's not a good thing when you're in your early 20s. Then you have a concussion and you've been wildly disappointing during your time in college football. Look, I actually think it's a really smart thing to never say, I'm absolutely going pro. What's the win in that? Wait until the bowl game's done. And when the bowl game's done, if they tell you you're going to be a top five pick, go. Otherwise, there's no rush refine yourself so that when you get to the NFL, you're ready to contribute right away because you're going to get thrown into the fire. And that's what the Fox said. Ah, what does the Fox say? Yeah, I mean, like, look, I, I think the way that Clat worded it was smart, too. He's like, don't be surprised if, like, it ain't crazy. But it's also important to note that whatever anybody's talking about with the NFL draft now doesn't really matter. It's what they're talking about with the NFL draft in January. In January. Because that's when you get a real, real good sense of who's going and where they're valued and what the league thinks of them. And the truth is that Rosen, though his stock may be a little bit low because he's viewed as a clubhouse lawyer and may not love football and doesn't have a strong arm and is a little bit beaten up, 
the truth is that you, you everyone needs a quarterback at the bottom of that draft, with the exception, obviously, of San Francisco. And maybe that's what this is partially about. I don't want to play in Cleveland. They need a quarterback. I don't play in New York. They need a quarterback. Um, and whereas the good teams do seem, with the exception of Jacksonville, do seem to have one. Those top five picks don't. Traveling for college hoops this year? Pro tip, stay at graduate hotels. They're obsessed with college basketball just like us. Each graduate hotel is like a shrine to the local team with lots of cool details for alumni, nods to school colors, mascots. Why would you stay anywhere else? They have 30-plus hotels in the best college towns, and get this, you can save up to 30% off with the code Doug. That's my name, Doug. Good at any graduate hotel location, anytime up to 30% off. So, here's what you do. Book your stays at graduatehotels.com. That's graduatehotels.com. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.